Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. Looking for a way to build daily prayer discipline? Seen the rise in mindfulness meditation, but not sure if it is possible to meditate in a way that's consistent with your Catholic faith? Just looking for a way to breathe new life into your existing prayer routine? No matter what you're looking for, Hollow is here to help. Hollow is a Catholic prayer and meditation app that helps users deepen their relationship with God through audio-guided contemplative prayer sessions. From meditations on the daily gospel to the rosary to daily examines, Hollow has something for everyone. Hollow is the number one Catholic app in the U.S. It is free to download and has permanently free content, but you can also check out all of the premium sessions for 30 days, risk-free, by signing up at www.hollow.app/breadbox. Judy Hare was a bankrupt, homeless, drug-addicted college dropout on the brink of divorce, but is now a seminary graduate and devoted wife and mother of four children. What happened? Find out in her autobiography, Shattered, How God Restored My Heart and Life. Her journey of faith has been called brutally honest, truly inspiring, profound, heartbreaking, and life-changing. Shattered is available now for only $15 on her website, judyhair.com, on amazon.com, or at your local Catholic bookstore. As Judy says, it is never too late to become the person you deserve and desire to be. So stop wishing for change and start doing something about it by reserving your copy of Shattered today. Welcome to Journey with Judy, a weekly podcast filled with faith-infused inspiration, information, and an opportunity for implementation. Now, here is speaker, coach, author, and host, Judy Hare. Hello, hello. You are Journeying with Judy Hare on the Journey with Judy podcast, and our topic tonight is part two. It is intimacy part two. It is up to you. If you have not heard part one, I'm going to ask you to go on back and listen to that on your favorite podcast platform. And since my kids, since they were little, have always said, Mom, you can make everything and anything about God. It dawned on me when I was at the grocery store wearing my mask um, and even wearing it appropriately. You know, I know some people wear it and then when they get close to you, like they take it down so they can talk to you. Or they wear it and you know the stuff's like flying out of their nose because their nose isn't covered. And I had mine so beautifully covered that somebody said, like, I didn't even recognize you. I didn't know that was you behind that mask. And so I thought to myself, that's the topic. Because intimacy is revealing who we are behind the mask. 
the many masks we wear, no matter how big, how small, how visible, how invisible, intimacy is the ability to take off the mask and know that we'll be safe. I came across this poem from the Retrovi curriculum, so I might get kicked out of the program, and since it's volunteer, and I'm often voluntold, let them kick me out, I'm okay with it. It's called the paintbrush. It says, I keep my paintbrush with me wherever I go in case I need to cover up so the real me doesn't show. I'm so afraid to show you me, afraid of what you'll do. You might laugh or say mean things. I'm afraid I might lose you. I'd like to remove all my paint coats to show the real true me, but I want you to try to understand and I need you to like what you see. When all my coats are stripped off, I feel naked, bare, and cold. If you still love me with all you can see, you are my friend, like gold. I need to save my paintbrush, though, and hold it in my hand. I want to keep it handy in case someone doesn't understand. I ask you to protect me and thank you for a love that's true, but please let me keep my paintbrush with me until I can love me, too. Wasn't that so awesome? Until I can love me too, because this desire to be loved, to be known, fully known, that was the song we started the, the podcast with tonight, that, that song by Torrin Wells that says to be fully known and loved by you. I mean, we, all, we know, like we know that God loves us that way. Um, I, I don't know that we always know it at, at the core of who we are, and typically, we don't let people know us on those levels naturally and normally, although it is exactly how we were created by God. A desire for this connectedness is God-given. He has placed this desire deep within our heart. It started in the garden when he said, we are not supposed to be alone. Um, I continue to say that in this year of 2020, uh, the hashtag that I keep rebuking is where alone together. Um, we're better alone or whatever that is. It's like, no, we, no, we're not better alone ever. Um, we're always better together. And so this whole thing about staying connected, it matters uh, because when we feel connected, we feel inclined to share. And when we feel inclined to share, we allow others to know us and us to know them. So what do we do when we don't feel connected we settle for substitutes. Uh, those of you who know anything about my past, I have substituted the Savior for just about everything and learned the, the hard way that there is no substitute for the Savior. Um, there's no substitute for this authentic desire to be known and loved fully and finally. And my kids saw this, my boys saw this in their bathroom. I used to tape it every time they took it off the mirror, I'd paste it back up. And it said that no desire would ever be finally and fully satisfied apart from God. So the deal is if we're not connected, we feel isolated. When we're not connected, we feel alone. See, we have this need, this desire to be intimate. Um, and it can never be replaced. So regardless of the connectedness that some things provide, this prevailing feeling is always 
we, we always want more. We always want to reveal a little more until something happens, something said or not said, something's done or not done. And we shut back down, we put our mask back up. And when it was just a little mask, we decided to put it all the way up. So nobody could see anything. And, and when they tried to see us, they wouldn't even recognize us. See, people settle for that kind of love, that kind of intimacy, because they don't know what or how real intimacy could or would satisfy. Um, some of the, the, the teaching tonight is stolen right from Matthew Kelly. <laughs> yeah, I don't even have to go to confession for stealing this one. He wants me to share this with you. And he says, life is about love, and love is a decision. It is not a feeling, right? We've talked about love on many different platforms in this podcast, and Love is to desire the highest and best good for the sake of the other. Tina Turner reminded us that what has love got to do with it just about everything. It has everything to do with it. So here's what intimacy is. Intimacy is a guarantee that one will be with us no matter what. True intimacy is the guarantee, not the maybe, not the sometime. When it's convenient, it's the guarantee that one will be with us always, no matter what. Uh, we know as people of faith that the word Emmanuel is God with us. That is actually what it means. We know that the greatest act of love was displayed in the way that Jesus died for us. So as we talk about intimacy, I got to tell you what it is and what it isn't. I want to tell you how to get it, how you avoid it. I want to remind you that you can't live without it. Um, you might be able to live without it temporarily. You can't thrive without it. And I don't believe that you can outrun it no matter how hard you try. It is not instant. It is not immediate. Um, however, when we find it, it is something that is indescribable and undeniable and ultimately changes us in ways that other substitutes could not. So definition says we become vulnerable and transparent enough to let another touch us at the deepest level of our being. So if we're being intimate, we become vulnerable enough, transparent enough to allow somebody else to touch us at the deepest level of our being. Right? When we are intimate, we feel intimate and safe. Uh, we feel like we can be listened to and heard. We can be understood. We can understand. We can cherish. And we embrace the ability to be cherished and to cherish. So intimacy is you revealing yourself to me and me revealing myself to you. It's about a giving and receiving of a love. It's about knowing and unknowing, unknowing all the stuff that we were hiding behind and revealing and knowing all the things that are truly and most authentically us. Sex, my friends, is not intimacy. Um, it doesn't equal it, although I would propose that most people, when you use the word intimacy, would, would think of that word. I don't know about you, most people would think that is that when it's really not that at all. The survey said that men's, that's how men spell sex. When you ask them what, that they, that's how they spell intimacy, X-S-E-X. -E Women spell it T-A-L-K. Women spell it T-A-L-K. Men spell it with just those three letters. And here's the thing about intimacy. We think it's only in 
our, our marital or significant other relationship when really intimacy is called for in every and all relationships that we have. It's so beautiful when we recognize that every relationship invites us into that place of intimacy. So last week, we talked about different levels of intimacy, and there's seven of them. If I'm not mistaken, we got through three. We got through cliches, facts, and opinions, and rather than revisit those, go back and listen to the first podcast. We'll go to number four, hopes and dreams. Okay, so if we are being intimate, it's the next level beyond the three I just mentioned. That's when we share our hopes and dreams. See, I talked recently on the topic of sharing hopes and dreams, which are genuinely just these desires that when they're not met, they come across as demands. And it feels very different than a genuine hope and dream. And so it, it's, it tells us so much about the other person, who they are, what they do, how they think, what they want. And when we are willing to share our hopes and dreams, it is so likely that the people we live with and love for sure can't guarantee the people you work with. I'm hoping the people you love and live with are people who would want to know your hopes and dreams. And see, when we can't be vulnerable and we can't be intimate, then it's not likely we're going to share this stuff because it doesn't feel like a safe space. Matthew Kelly encourages us to name them write them down and revisit them because if we don't do that, we forget them. And then we end up having a resentment because they're not met, right? So then my hopes and dreams and desires land as demands and unfulfilled and unmet expectations when like my man says, they should always give a crystal ball at the wedding vow place because then you'll know what your person really wants. And it's like, well, I don't know what I want. I just know I'm not getting it right now, right? So that's hopes and dreams. How about feelings? That's the next level of intimacy. Kind of a touchy subject. I know lots of people who do two things with their feelings. They either suppress them inappropriately or they express them in, inappropriately and almost not in proportion to what the initial feeling was. So a lot of people that I get to journey with in healing and feeling and revealing their feelings, they, they, talk, they, they get to talk in, in, a, in a format that says, I feel about because, right? Some of you who know me know how to fab it out. And when we can say our feelings, then we have a much greater chance of being known and loved in the ways that that song talked about. So one of the things that I used to do in my house when, when all four kids lived there is I would, I would put this out when I really felt like my feelings were not being acknowledged. I don't know if you can see it. Those of you who are not on live get to hear me read. It's a little napkin that reads, talk to me like I'm someone you love. Talk to me like I'm someone you love. Because when I'm being talked to like, like someone I believe you love, I am so much more willing to go deeper in these levels of intimacy and share these feelings. See, Proverbs 2 says that we cry out for understanding and insight. We cry out for it. 
And see, we search for it as if it was a hidden treasure. We desperately desire someone to know our feelings on the deepest level. And see, love is not based on the feeling, right? It's not. It's based on a decision, an act of the will over and over. It's like, I will love you. My man and I used to do this thing. I don't know if you ever saw this movie with um, Cameron Diaz and what's his name? I can't think of his name. Anyway, they got married unexpectedly in Vegas. I think it might be like what happens in Vegas. I don't know. Not an appropriate movie. I, I would highly not recommend it at all. However, one time my man and I watched it and they were in counseling and they talked about, they had this thing that when the other one's needs weren't being met, they would just say like, your candles smell awesome. And that was the way like saying like, I hate you. Like I'm not loving you right now. And so I, that for the many years of our marriage, I would say to Bobby like, your candles smell so awesome. And that was the way I would say, like, can you talk to me like I'm someone you love, right? So if we were vulnerable, if we were digging into the levels of intimacy that God calls us to and wants in every relationship, we would be able to name those feelings, be naked without shame. That's what scripture says. That's how Adam and Eve started in the garden, story or not. It was basically revealing to us that there was nothing to hide. They were fully known by God and by one another and had all of the grace to be able to express themselves in ways that when sin came in, kind of flushed that out. So I was such a big feeling person uh, when our kids were growing up because we went through Retrovi in 2003 and that uh, marriage ministry is based on expressing your feelings. And so Bob said he only thought he had one feeling, like happy or angry, or two, I think, two, one in each category. And so many of you have seen the feeling wheel. It's like there's so many to choose from. I get so confused. Well, when our kids were younger um, and they either got in trouble or wanted to date someone, it seemed like kind of they went hand in hand, they would have to write feeling letters. And just for the heck of it, I grabbed just one envelope just to like, this is all, these are all feeling letters from all of the kids um, for the, the whole time they were, basically they were teenagers and they would have to write feeling letters. And the other thing they would have to do is before they would date somebody just to get in touch with their feelings, they would have to use every letter of the alphabet describing a feeling about that person, like a characteristic. And so usually people did not make the 40 day cut. It was just way too much work for my kids. They had to wait 40 days, then write the feeling letters. And if they got in trouble based on the punishment, they would have to write feeling letters every day. So if you're married to any of at least my boys, um, yeah, they really do know how to express their feelings. I can't promise you they're going to. I can just promise you they have learned how to. So. When we can articulate our feelings, we don't need to use three times or 10 times the amount of words to make up the story to justify why we feel the way we feel. See, feelings are not facts. They're just indicators that something is lacking, something is desired, something is wanted. And so when we just treat them as they are, they just come and they just go. And I would propose, all my kids could say this in unison, the only way out 
of the feeling is through the feeling. Okay, so number one, cliches. Number two, facts. Number three, opinions. Number four, hopes and dreams. Number five, feelings. And I might have lost number six. Let's see. Number six, oh, my favorite F words besides feedback. Fears, faults, failures. Just think about the people that you know and love. And on a 10-point scale, to what degree could you be that vulnerable to admit willingly? Without, being, without the conversation starting by them as you always and you never. Willingly say, this is what I am afraid of. This is where I have failed. And these are my faults. Because when we get to this place, Matthew Kelly says, oh, we are transparent and we are digging deep. See, we have these fears, false evidence appearing real. And, and I was listening to a podcast today, one of my favorite books called Chase the Lion, and he was saying that we legitimately only have two fears. One, the fear of loud noises, and two, the fear of falling. Those are the only two legitimate fears. Everything else we have made up, believed, and acted out of. So I don't know about you, but I got some fears. I have had some fears. Uh, maybe since motherhood, I have had even more fears than I ever had in the past. So I said, we all got them. And our core fear is if you knew me, you wouldn't love me. So the core fear is if I reveal myself to you fully and finally, if I take off my mask, then you might not love me. See, fears are the things that drive us away from this intimacy. We have the privilege of having one of our sons living with us right now. And I said to him the other day, you know, Chan, the greatest gift that you could give your person, whoever is that person that gets to be with you, is to be able to know what you're not very good at. Just to be able to know it and then not necessarily grow it as much as just be able to admit it. This is the thing I'm not great at. This is the thing... I need you to help me close the gap on. This is the thing, because I said to him, baby, everybody around us knows what we're not good at. Everybody around us is probably talking about it. And those times where we can be that vulnerable and admit our fears, our faults, and our failings, we give somebody such a gift, even though they already knew it, I've been on the receiving end of that. At the end of every year, we have our kids recap their greatest accomplishments, what they have been through, what they're afraid of going into the next year, where they feel they have failed in some way. And it's not to expose them. It's so the enemy doesn't get a hold of them and wreak havoc on the thing that they can't change about the unforeseeable future or the unchangeable past. See, fear kills intimacy. It did it in the garden, and it does it today. So I guess the question is, what happened to us that has made us feel the need to conceal rather than reveal? Something happened somewhere along the line. Something happened to the people that we know, love, live, given birth to. Something happened along the way. 
and they got some feelings and some failings that we get to be a part of revealing. Faults. I got this fault. I need your help. So I broke these down into three categories, fears, faults, and failures, and a little bit more on the failure thing. We spend so much time arguing about our fault and justifying why we have it. Imagine if we could just say, yeah, you know what? I'm not good at that. Or I already knew that. Let's get through that, right? And then our failures, when we reveal, I just did a, a I was back in person for the first time last week, loving on people from a distance. It was better than this. Um, and I still couldn't touch anybody, which made it really hard for me. The fact was we were talking about the same concept is that when people think you are, you have it all together and things look so easy for you, they don't think you have any failures. So you give people such a gift to be able to say, this is hard. Life is hard. Parenting is hard. Marriage is hard. COVID is hard. My diagnosis is hard. Whatever it is, when we can say like, this is something I don't feel great at, I even feel like I'm failing at, it just invites other people to step in and do the same. Okay, legitimate needs, and then we're wrapping it up. Legitimate needs. I said last week we got hopes and dreams and legitimate needs. We all got them. They are our cues for happiness, contentment, and joy are legitimate needs. They're physical, they're emotional, they're intellectual, and the overarching thing they are is spiritual. Our spiritual needs are met with scripture, solitude, sacraments, and silence. Our emotional needs are when we focus the priority of our relationships because we were made to be relatable we were created to relate and the physical needs you know what that is you all know what that is so when we build a life around those needs everything changes when our most important spiritual need is met all the other ones to some degree get put in the proper perspective when we give too much attention to one of them outside the spiritual one, we, we know something is off. See, Matthew Kelly says, when we are aware of our genuine core desires, intimacy comes naturally. When we are giving and getting what we need to receive, we just give and get some more. See, having legitimate needs met this is the practical way in which we access every relationship. Matthew's, uh, not Matthew Kelly, Matthew uh, 635 says, he will give you all you need if you make the kingdom of God your primary concern. So when you make the kingdom of God the primary concern, all of your other needs get met. I love that. So this whole thing about intimacy is really about loving. It's desiring the highest and best for and with the other person. It's revealing and not concealing. It's allowing you to know me and be known by me. It's given up a part of ourself that we think we know in order to discover a part of ourself 
that we would never know. In the infinite depth of our soul, we desire to be intimate, to be known and fully known and loved by whoever. And when we don't feel this and we don't believe this, we doubt this and we're unsure of this, we know we always have it from God. It's always available and all we need to do is receive it. So my friends, cliches, facts, opinions, hopes and dreams, feelings, fears, faults, failings, and legitimate needs. We stand before God, naked without shame, knowing that we are worth knowing. Conversation after conversation, experience after experience, year after year, we can never ever exhaust the levels of intimacy that God invites us to and desires for us and with us. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of Journey with Judy. To learn more about Judy's coaching ministry, receive a complimentary session, and other services she offers, visit judyhair.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend. And remember, it's never too late to be who God called you to be. Finding someone on an online Catholic dating site shouldn't be like shopping for a blender. So why do most dating sites leave you feeling like you're shopping for a spouse? At Catholic Singles, we connect members through our unique user polls and activities, which help you discover other members and their personalities and interests. Because you're a person, not a profile picture. So stop shopping and start discerning. Trust your love story to the original Catholic dating site and use the promo code BREADBOX at checkout for 20% off at CatholicSingles.com.